Hello, and welcome to the Stories of Northern Life. We are back with a part two of telling Roberta Bondor's story and influence on Sault Ste. Marie. So where were we? Imagine Roberta living in the big city of Toronto, near completion of her PhD in neurology at the University of Toronto. She met a young man studying photography at Ryerson and became engaged. They hadn't sent out the invitations yet and were still settling life plans. She had the PhD and wanted to continue into medicine, but thought maybe it's not sustainable. Roberta thought maybe she could do pharmacy instead and it would be better for the marriage. So she went to an interview with the Dean of Pharmacy at U of T. He said he would love to have her in the program, but asked her, what is it you really want to do? She replied saying that she was interested in medicine, but she thinks that this might be better and a compromise for the marriage. She'd explained that this dean looked directly in her eyes and said the real issue is that you have to look at this marriage before it happens. That weekend, she called off the engagement and proceeded with plans to further her education in medicine. Solely because she realized that she would never have been happy in that relationship, having sacrificed this one goal and the one thing that could help her help other people. And that was a choice she made. She completed her doctorate in neurosciences in 1974, and then went to McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, and completed a doctorate in medicine in 1977. After her education, she never stopped learning, but now she was getting hands-on work experience as a clinical science researcher and neurologist. But there is one moment in Roberta's memory that sticks out in her push to reach her dreams. It was April 1981, and she was doing a fellowship in Boston, Massachusetts for a few months. She was working in an ophthalmology clinic because her subspecialty was neuro-ophthalmology. Roberta made sure she was working the same day the space shuttle Columbia was making its landing because it was the only place she had access to a TV. So she escorted a lady down to the clinic and dragged her feet until the segment started. As she watched, she said to herself, I am going to do this. She continuously told herself since she was the young age of 10 that she would go into space. She had the book Rip Foster's Assignment in Space. And Roberta and her sister built a space station, rockets, and crystal radio sets, which can actually be found at the Sioux Bush Plain Museum. But in that moment in 1981, she told herself that she would do whatever it takes to get into space and focus on aviation medicine and getting as close as she possibly could. In these days, women were just being allowed to apply to NASA's American Astronauts Program. This was January 1978, and amongst 8,000 people who applied, 35 were selected and 6 were actually women, one being Sally Ride. If Roberta would have known that her grandfather was an American, she could have gotten her green card and have done lots of her training in the States, which would have unveiled a whole new group of opportunities for her to eventually bring back to Canada, 
Roberta has always been passionate about countries working together to achieve greater goals because space is expensive and timely and requires a global effort to learn for the greater good of the people of the entire planet. Nonetheless, she still made it with all the right stuff, even more than required, to ensure she'd get a spot. Chosen out of 4,000 Canadians, she was one of six in the Canadian astronaut program, December 1983. To start it all off, the first thing they did when she joined the astronaut program was do a pregnancy test and said you couldn't train or fly if positive. This just confirmed that she had chosen the right path that she needed to to reach this goal, sacrificing the opportunity to have her own family. She knew the path she had to accept, given who she was, the times, and the gender she was. She believed that she did the right thing and hit the right pin, and I think we can all say the same. But because she was also a Canadian, she was not allowed to do certain things, not being a part of the United group. First thing was that she was not allowed to use the physical fitness equipment and space throughout the years of training, not till very, very close to the flight. Second was that she could not use the exercise equipment on the space flight. This was an important tool to use in space because you lose so much muscle without gravity. Today, this would be a very unethical thing to do. The third thing was, at the launch, her family was not protected, nor amongst the other families on her same flight. Roberta's family was in the general public area, where everyone else's family was up in the tower. And the fourth thing was because she didn't have a spouse or a dog, she wasn't allowed to have anyone greet her when she got back from the space journey. And this one really bothered her. She kept complaining about it. They eventually gave in and told her she can get one person to greet. You can pick your sister or your mother. So she picked her mother and her sister stood behind barbed wire about 50 feet away from where she greeted her mother. She found this very hard, unreasonable, and just stupid. It wasn't about survival for her. She was tough on everything, but just wasn't prepared for this difficulty in people being unreasonable and without her own agency's support. The crew spent about a year for each day in space in training. Nine years of preparation mentally and physically. Learning how to use equipment and conduct experiments. They also had to test their abilities to work under zero gravity and reach G1. They were only up there for a week, but still accepting the fact that you'd be in a room with no designated ground or ceiling floating in space, I'd assume takes a little time to wrap your head around. This year, 2022, actually is the 30th year anniversary of this amazing mission. The first international microgravity laboratory launched on January 22nd, 1992 at around 9.50 a.m. at the Edwards Air Force Base in California. It was delayed an hour due to weather constraints, but it was also extended by a day longer than planned. The mission was 8 days, 1 hour, and 15 minutes to be exact, and traveled 2.9 million miles. 
The Discovery shuttle returned to the Earth on January 30th at around 8 a.m. And it was a seven-member crew, five Americans, one German, and our Canadian Roberta. They conducted several experiments over the eight days. Roberta focused on the nervous system adaptation to low gravity, the separation of cells, back pain, because we grow a few inches in space, and the workings of the inner ear without gravity. But they were also testing the effects on microgravity on other life forms. This meant bringing up shrimp eggs, lentil seeds, fruit flies, and bacteria. They also experimented with crystal growth from a variety of different substances. Each astronaut was allowed to bring a few things up to represent them and bring with them a little piece of home up in space. Roberta brought maple leaf candies made on St. Joe's Island. She took up her crests from all her universities, a world girl guide flag, the girl guide cookies, Canadian music, and a hot air balloon. She also brought up a few things that we don't know about, but they represented her sister and her mother. Roberta was 46 when she went up in space. She is Canada's astronaut from Sault Ste. Marie, the second Canadian in space, and the first neurologist and the first woman. Her first stop after this journey was Ottawa, and then back home to Sault Ste. Marie. In the Sioux, we had four days of events planned. Businesses and individuals were calling the city to offer limos, flowers, and whatever they could. A few local people even came together and wrote a song for Roberta called The Voyage of Discovery. And it was played for Roberta for the first time at a city council meeting and again and again throughout the trip. Roberta made sure that the school boards were involved with all these events. She wanted to see as many people of the public as possible in those four days. She went to a Greyhound hockey game and had three presentations of the clips of her film she took up in space. At each event, she saw at least 5,000 people, and on top of that, each event was live broadcasted. Roberta's first steps off the plane at the Sault Ste. Marie airport was greeted by a building filled with the public. The students of 20 schools were lining the streets with signs and cheering smiles. Roberta kept on saying throughout the visit that I think we should rename the city the City of Smiles because she had never seen so many bright smiles. People exclaimed that the Sioux truly needs a hero. Roberta did not want to be a hero, but wanted to show that anything is possible and knew an example of what people can do was needed. These kids watching understood after this event that they could do anything they wanted to. She is passionate about science, but also about children and the next generation. She didn't have any of her own, but she looked upon all children she has interacted with as her own and called them her bridges to tomorrow. One thing that people don't ask Roberta a lot is why didn't she fly again? And I'll let Roberta answer that herself. Well, I wanted to. I wanted to fly again. And you could have? Uh, no. Oh. And I'll tell you why. Ah. When I was uh, training for my space flight, I remember this one day, and I called up the Canadian Space Agency and said, hey, you know, 
this is just so great. We're going to be doing such a good job. There are all these neuroscience experiments. We're going to be doing Neurolab next. They haven't picked the team yet. I just, I want you to know that I'm right in there. And, and I was just like, I thought, I'm going to be on Neurolab. I'm the world's first neurologist in space. I'm the only one that really can talk intellectually about all the challenges that we have in flight and on landing. Yeah. And I thought this was a slam dunk. So I come to the Sioux and I'm fed it and it's all wonderful. I mean, you can see from the videos how marvelous it was for this, this young woman who had achieved so much on behalf of the whole world, let alone the country, let alone the province or the city. Yeah. And, and, and my gender, it was just, it was a wonderful moment to revel in and say, hey kids, you can do this. You could look at me, I'm not, I'm not just a woman, I'm not just anybody, I'm just, I'm representing you and I'm your country and I'm from here. So all that pride that I had, I imagine now this young woman going to Ottawa and being fed at Parliament Hill and having a picture taken with the Prime Minister and then going in a taxi back to uh, the National Research Council, which is where the space agency had its office, and then being taken into a boardroom with one man and him saying, okay, your contract's over. That's what happened. And I said, excuse me? I said, I've just built up this whole this whole space research team that we're working with NASA. And he said, well, the research stops as of today. And I'm looking at him like, where am I? Did I ever get back from space? This is like such an alien thing that's going on. And I had no witnesses. I had no mentor. I had no one that was, that was helping me at all. And I was shell-shocked. I walked out of there. I called the head of the space agency. There's got to be some mistake. They're sending everybody else down for mission specialist training. But they're not sending me. And they said, well, he said, well, I'm new here. I don't really know. I have to go by whatever they say. And so I wrote a letter of resignation, which I still have. And I basically said I was disappointed in not being able to go for mission specialist training after what I'd done for the country. And I didn't, as, a, as Virgil Grissom would say, I didn't screw the pooch. You know, I, was, I did everything above board. I did everything well. I didn't really create too many waves except wanting my mother to greet me. I didn't think that was enough reason uh, to get me out of there. And um, I had the junior minister, who had been a president of Guelph, on my doorstep on a Sunday, knocking at my door, and said to me, the conversation was something like this. Okay, well, um, we need to talk about what you want to do. And I said, well, that, that's good. I'd like to stay in the astronaut program. Well, that's not going to happen. But he said, and I still had no witness. Nobody was there with him. He said, okay, is your research work understand you like doing research. I said, yes, I do. And he says, well, is it peer-reviewable? In other words, can uh, can other um, organizations say that your work is really good, it's up to the standard of the world community? I said, absolutely. We published in the major journal, Stroke Physiology, blah, blah, blah. He says, well, you know, there's this new industry university chair that we have, and if your work is peer-reviewable, we can have the space agency as your industrial partner because you're doing things with instruments and you're making them, all these changes. But he says, you have to consider rewriting your letter of resignation. And I had, what was I going to do? I had no one, no one to talk to. Yeah. So I rewrote the letter of resignation. Uh, I had it all peer reviewed and I received this industry university partnership grant. And then I had to get a university that would pay for my salary because it didn't pay for my salary. So I got one university to start paying for it. And there's a whole road that goes on from there. And in 1988, 98, I had enough of it, uh, of all the politics involved and all of this, and the constant shrinking of my ability to do the space research or shrinking of my ability to do things for my country. 
which is what I always wanted to do. So I stepped out of it, left whatever was, was going on to other researchers who still kept putting up papers with my name on, very nice of them. And I just ended up doing my photography, which is what I put on hold for my space flight. So that is why I didn't fly again. Not because I didn't want to, but because they took the opportunity away and it took me years. And so sometimes when I'm emotional and seeing myself come back after space flight, it's because I should like to say to that person that's on the screen, they're going to blow you out of the water with their stupidity, you know? I'd like to be able to counsel that person. So if I can do that for other people now, then that's what I need to do. I need to be not hiding this now. I need to say, hey, you know, there wasn't gender equality. And you can ask, like, why did this happen? I can say, well, maybe Canada wasn't ready for two North Stars. They had Mark, who was an engineer, you know, and he was in the armed forces. I was a woman, and I was in the civilian corps, and I have, you know, I'm a doctor. Yeah. But they need both. And it's not just both genders. We need to have representation of every culture on this planet, because when we're going to space, we represent the human life form. We don't represent the people that have the sandbox with the toys. Yeah. We represent... Uh, we represent our, our attitudes, we represent us as a life form, and, and it shouldn't be restrained and constrained to those people who have uh, money in their pockets. So, you know, I just continue on my little rant, but that's, that. that's sort of the short answer to your question. Roberta is the type of person that if she wants to do something, she goes out and does it. Nothing will stop her. She set long-term and short-term goals for herself, and after she returned to Earth, she wanted to touch these countries she saw from space with her own hands. She later became an acclaimed professional nature and landscape photographer. She was an honor student in the professional nature photography at the Brooks Institute of Photography in Santa Barbara, California. She traveled around the world to capture the beauty of life on planet Earth and reached that goal set early in life and not only saw the world, but got to share it and document it for the people of the planet to see. She published four photo essay books. She was also very passionate about our planet in general. After going in space and seeing it from such a different perspective, she grew a much greater appreciation and drive to really explore the planet we already live on. Though she always had a great passion for the outdoors, going camping in tents through Michigan and going to the cottage at Bajuana Bay. And photography was always a long-term interest for her. She was most definitely influenced by her father. Her uncle, Arnold Bondar, was a pharmacist, but was the northern representative for Nikon and Leica. He would sell cameras out of his drugstore, and her dad borrowed these cameras often. Even in 1941, there was an 8mm film of his wedding. He always had a video and still camera, so Roberta's childhood was well captured as well. In 2009, she launched the Roberta Bondar Foundation to promote environmental conservation, respect, and curiosity through science and art. Her parents really taught her to be independent and a leader. She was always taught to engage in things, and in nature specifically, which had a big involvement in her organization she built. She wants to continue to share and instill that message. From her preparation in space travel, her public speaking talent grew, though she was a natural. 
Dr. Roberta Bonder is a captivating and respected speaker who draws from her lifetime of knowledge and fascinating experiences as a physician, scientist, educator, astronaut, author, and professional photographer. For someone who is up so high in space, she is so down to earth. Now 76, she describes herself as an inherent optimist. Among her numerous awards and distinctions, Bondar is a Companion of the Order of Canada, a member of the Order of Ontario, and an inductee to the Canadian Medical Hall of Fame and the International Women's Forum Hall of Fame. She has received honorary doctorates from almost 30 Canadian and American universities, including Algoma U. She brought so much hope and wonder to the people of Sault Ste. Marie, Canada, and the world and her legacy continues to do so. Sky is the limit, and Roberta showed us that we can push those limits and reach a little further. She is a Canadian hero that just happens to be from Sault Ste. Marie. Her dreams were in the night sky in the Sioux. It all started here. Though she notes herself as being from a lot of places, you can only be born in one place, and she holds that so close to her heart. Roberta stands for working hard and striving for your goals, following your dreams. It doesn't matter where you come from or where you start, but you should care for your planet, care for equal opportunities. We are all beyond discrimination and borders. Sharing knowledge is important, and we all must work together to work towards a better world. Life isn't always fair or just, but you have to stay true to your own. Thank you, Roberta, for being our inspiration and brightest role model. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the Stories of Northern Life podcast, and especially this woman's history series. We'll be up to something new soon, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.